Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the Dual Screens podcast, the world's number one indie game interview show, probably. I mean, we've done this for a lot of times. It's, I think, we're approaching 300 interviews now. It's a lot. It's a lot. But yet, my interview skills have not gotten any better, unfortunately. <laughs> um, on today's episode, we are introducing... Um, it's kind of a returning guest in a sense. We spoke at last E3, E3 Online, and joining us is Jochen Pals, the co-CEO over at Tragsoft and developer of Koromon, a modern take on the classic monster taming genre. Jochen, how's it going, buddy? Welcome back-ish to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going well, as in uh, we're uh, really an exciting time at the moment, uh, right before release, getting all of the finishing touches in. Yeah, it's going great. Yeah, you're launching your game in about, I would say, what, four or five weeks from now, more or less, like towards the end of yeah, March? Yeah, five, six, I think. So yeah. Something like that. Well, when the time this interview goes live, it'll be much closer to the actual release date. So it could be like the day before. We don't know <laughs> when this is going to go up. But, we'll, we'll see. Um, um, so what's that like? Like you're at the home stretch now with your game before we actually dive into the game itself. What's what's going through your mind as you're approaching the finish line with the release just around the corner? To be honest, it's a pretty amazing feeling to get this whole journey of eight plus years and finally getting to the yeah, to the finish line, really seeing getting, yeah, as in while you're developing a game, it's not always as beautiful as you as you as you yeah as you see the end result but yeah now i finally see all of these stories coming together the plot holes getting fixed uh, all of the yeah fun characters you're going to meet all of the skills all of the monsters getting together and yeah it finally feels like the full game i always am managed and it really uh, resulted in the thing that i had in mind so that's really exciting how do you find the resolve and the patience to work on the same thing for eight years? I feel like, you know, I, I, I like to do things and start some projects and I get really like deep, my hooks deep into it early on, but then the interest fades away. I, I stop finding the time. How do you find that commitment to just say, you know what, no matter how long this takes, I am going to get this thing out the door. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's, it's almost a second nature for me as in uh, I, I wake up and the first thing I do is go to work as in go to go upstairs and go to my office and start working. And I, I don't really see it as a, as in for, for me, working on Coromon is maybe even more satisfying than gaming as in oh, wow. it's, it's, it's fun as in it's, it's making a game and it's helping me progress. And yes, as in it, it helps me get to my dream of releasing the game I always have envisioned, but I enjoy doing it. And yeah, it, I don't, it doesn't even cross my mind while developing through all of these years as in, oh, I need to keep this going. I need to finish this. It's, it's really, yeah, second nature. As in, uh, I'm not sure what I will do when this is all finished as in uh, perhaps a, uh, yeah. Yeah. So the sense I'm getting is it doesn't feel like work for you. Yeah. It's like 
not even you're just enjoying something that you love doing and it's you it happens to be your job yeah it's a really satisfying to uh yeah get new features in get new as in come up with new ideas uh brainstorm with your uh with your colleagues to yeah just come up with new things and constantly see your game getting improved getting better yeah that's just what i love and for me it's uh yeah the last couple of weeks i've been working more than usual so that's a little bit tough but normally i would yeah just not even think about that i'm working it's just second nature so what is your game i kind of gave a brief description in the beginning of the in the introduction there but why don't you as the the father of this baby as it were <laughs> give us the uh give us the the pitch what is what is koroman i think in, in, in a very short sentence i would say it's um the i yeah the the, um, the ideal balance between a jrpg and a monster taming game as in a monster taming, taming game in our opinion isn't yeah, just that isn't always fun. I think mm. uh, a lot of it comes from uh, new mechanics, um, interesting puzzles, uh, interesting storylines, having people really go throughout through a um, do it through a journey, experiencing someone else's feelings and, and that kind of stuff. And to me, that is what Coraman is. As in, it's. It's constantly being surprised by new mechanics, by new Koromon in, in their own habitat, constantly being uh, seeing new, totally new biomes, which bring new, uh, yeah, overworld powers. And it's, yeah, just constantly being surprised by new elements, I think. Yeah. And I think one of the things that, uh, attracted me most when i first played this game there was a demo out sometime back that it was more than just about catching the monsters and sort of filling out like you know encyclopedia of that which you've captured it was a strong emphasis on story on exploration on this dungeon elements there's puzzles so it was more like you took a genre that is known and loved by so many gamers and you it's matured now it's grown up a little bit it's taken more other elements from other successful genres and you brought them in and you blended them in a way that feels very natural like why couldn't this always be in games like this before yeah i'm not sure as in perhaps because my journey was eight years and it takes a lot of time to um really make a game uh, as in uh, pay attention to all of the small details to have a ton of new mechanics in to have all kinds of new stuff in but yeah i think um the modern gaming industry isn't always abiding by the the rules set in the early days as in when i think back in my uh, to my youth the games back then were as in the gamers were different i think even mm. as in they, they were enjoying games like zelda golden sun and the game those games weren't big but it was just a an adventure playing that game and finding all of the small nitty picky things and finding a special item somewhere in a dungeon and 
it really yeah I, I think those elements is what i try to get back again as in these days it's all about um yeah writing for the best best thing and even yeah with mobile gaming uh, it even goes in a worse direction i think <laughs> and what i think what i want to bring back as in i want to stir up the gaming industry in that regards and i want to get that charm back as in when mm. it was the game developer uh, creating the game and not a publisher which is only out for money uh, right yeah as in which is which you see a lot as in yeah with the current <laughs> nft uh trend and stuff like that it's it's all about money nowadays even for the players with oh, yeah, Diablo, right, with the right. marketplace and i just think it's a, it's, it's a i'm a different kind of gamer uh, than you mostly see nowadays. And that's why Coromon is becoming the way it is. So we're not going to be getting any Coromon NFTs is what you're telling me. Not going to happen. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when, when you first started making this project, was it, was this born out of you being a fan of monster taming games and wanting to, change the formula up like how, how did the how did the origin story go for Korriban in terms of your your vision and and all of that it actually started not that far from a pokemon type game as in mm -hmm. it, it did start like that as in but the the original idea was um there was no pokemon game that was eight years ago nowadays there are pokemon pokemon like games on mobile, but mm -hmm. that is how it all started. As in, I wanted to create my own Pokemon-like game on mobile because I thought, uh, yeah, it, it, it has always been on a handheld, as in why wouldn't it be on a phone? Right. That's how it started. But yeah, as in, through the years, it pretty much got out of hand. Uh, I, my expectations were higher, as in I were, was playing it and, I found out that I didn't want a Pokemon game. And mm. this is like one year in, as in, because it was more than nostalgia speaking to me, you want a Pokemon game on your mobile, but as in actually developing it, it wasn't actually what I wanted, as in playing it, it wasn't that fun, as in it's, yeah, it was a lot like Pokemon back then. So, yeah, we started coming up with our new idea, uh, yeah, with our own ideas, um, as in analyzing what was it back then that added the charm to our game. And over the years, we've just, yeah, I think we've had a thousand brainstorms about things. And that's how all kinds of things are built, as in being an independent developer sometimes gives you the opportunities that not a lot of game studios have, I think. As in, when you decide on a certain mechanic, I'll just do that. Okay, it adds uh, six months to my journey, but let's just do it. <laughs> I like it. As in, I want this in my game. And those kind of decisions in the end um, is what made Corman what it is today, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you know, you could have easily taken the path of least resistance and said to yourself, 
I want to make a Pokemon-like game. Pokemon-like games are walking around in towns, catching creatures, doing something of a gym battle to get a badge to progress, get all the badges, get to the end. There's some light story elements, but that's not the main focus. You know, draw some goofy creatures that may or may not evolve, push it out the door, and it'll find an audience. But it's interesting how you realize that you're the one making the game, that this is your game and you can make it any way you want to make it. And it could be so much more than just a Pokemon like game, which is, you know, we have this beautiful result now in the game that while looks like Pokemon on the surface, it is very deep, much deeper than that. And it has a lot of, amazing features and qualities and i want you to get into how how you separate this game from pokemon in terms of gameplay and style and all of those things i i think with every decision we make um in every regard is is it user interface is it uh the overworld is it in battles we just um it's not like we don't look at pokemon as in mm. of course we know we know it's hard not to pokemon. yeah <laughs> it's hard not to but what we do is we try to reimagine as in don't stop there as in isn't it more interesting to um yeah change a mechanic instead of just agreeing that it's as in a, a good example and this one is pretty; it's still pretty close to uh, Pokemon. But the the small tweak we made there did uh, resonate a lot with our community, as in it's our potential system, for example. And with just a minor tweak, as in it's resulted in so many more players enjoying our mechanic and the potential mechanic. Um, a quick explanation of it it's isn't, do, do you know the shiny system of pokemon correct yes <laughs> where there's a very low chance and i didn't even know about it as in before starting uh this game i didn't even know about shinies as in i've never accounted it at least i didn't i never <laughs> uh, knew i encountered it but while developing this game i encountered the mechanic of pokemon the shiny system and i thought yeah, as in, if I would encounter this as a player, what would my feeling be? As in, would I enjoy it? Would I, as in, if a casual player? As in, because I'm more of a casual player than a hardcore game, I think. Right. And I try to look at it from multiple perspectives. And what we did is actually, um, we did use the mechanic, as in, it's still a color variation on your Coromon. But we try to combine it with different uh, different mechanics like the IV and EV system because I like customizable stats as in as a casual gamer I don't like to get into <laughs> needing to look everything up on, on the internet I <laughs> I, just, I just don't want to grind for stuff as in because right. time is valuable and yeah as in finding middle ground in there and combining certain mechanics, trying to use them in a way they haven't been used before, it's 
keep them familiar, but they do have the touch I want my game to have, as in they do have the, yeah, as in what would I change about these other kinds of game that I didn't really like, and I can do that over now, as in I can design a new mechanic from scratch, which suits the, the way I like, and that is essentially what Coraman is, it's, it's a, a sequence of things that, of, of, yeah, of things I like, as in it's, it's, yeah, that's how it's done, actually. Yeah, I, I never really liked the idea of shinies being so rare in Pokemon. And then when you finally find one, it isn't super powerful or has maxed out stats in every count. It's just has a little bit of a color change. And some are just <laughs> not even noticeable at first glance. Like Pikachu looks like just like a Pikachu. Yeah, and understanding the motivations of players, and I think mm. I, um, I I can do it well, is in understanding where players come from, uh, how they see a certain thing. As in, I can imagine, even if I would have found a shiny back in the day that I was playing Pokemon, I wouldn't have a motivation to find another one. As in, mm. I would find out, oh, this is a one of 3,000 chance, Fun that I have one, but I wouldn't start looking for <laughs> another one. And I try to make it more accessible. And I do this with every part of the game, essentially, as in um, I don't like to hide things, as in mm. what sometimes other games do, as in they hide descriptions and you need to know uh, what a weather effect does, as in weather effects in Pokemon. How do you know what they do? As in you need to look it up. And I think making everything accessible did um, make, make it easier for other people to enjoy the things we care about, uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, that must be, I think, one of the most challenging aspects when you tackle a genre that, at least with monster taming, it's so most people know it only for Pokemon. Like you can say a game like like a shooter genre you can name a handful of successful ips under that umbrella but when it comes to this particular genre people just think pokemon so how do you how do you get past that initial comparison and say to yourself how can we make this game be more than just it looks like pokemon yeah, I'm not quite sure. It's 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 a, it's a constant battle somehow. Uh, it's a constant. I don't want to be Pokemon. I want to be right. Mario. We <laughs> chose this genre, and I, I judge my own game based on how I would look at it. And I wouldn't like a game which is exactly like Pokemon. Mm. So why should I design my things to be exactly like Pokemon? As in, I want to solve the issues I had with that game, but also introduce new things I enjoyed in other games. And with that mindset, it's, it is no issue anymore. As in, I just make what I love. And what I love is not Pokemon, only, only Pokemon. So that's, as, as right. it, it, yeah, it, it goes naturally. It's not something I keep thinking about. It's not something I keep, um, paying attention to it's just i'm creating my own game and i just look a little at pokemon 
yeah, as in sometimes to get inspiration for stuff, but it's not that I'm making Pokemon. And when right. you're not making Pokemon, it automatically doesn't become Pokemon. So yeah, that, that's how it goes, I think. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so kind of walk us through what the core gameplay loop looks like. Like what is a standard like level, so to speak? How does that play out in Korriban? How does it yeah, there are a like? bunch of uh, sections in the game. Uh, I think the game is uh, separated in a section per element. As in, mm. we, we like to um, keep the player interested by um, whenever they finish a section, offer them a completely new type of area. As in, the, the, all of the region and this really uh, entangles with the plot, as in uh, with the elemental titans creating an environment and they created um, six biomes so every one of these biomes comes with a completely new story as in you as in it, it actually it's yeah as in every time you finish a storyline it feels like a different ending as in finishing mm -hmm. the desert town feels like an ending and you can begin a new journey in that next town and the gameplay loop there is almost every time you go through a route you encounter a whole bunch of new coromon in that new type you encounter new mechanics like surfing or um, yeah whatever um, you encounter new people and every time you finish a section of the game you just have the fun of exploring a whole new area, getting to know the people, um, finishing their side quests, uh, but also the main quest line, finding out about um, what the issue is, as in every town, of course, has a certain issue in the town. Which Drama, is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, just discovering multiple things, as in discovering the monsters, discovering the people in the town, discovering what the conflict is in the town, and then eventually doing actions to resolve that conflict in the town and then having a boss battle. And then the fun, yeah, as in we try to make every town very distinct, as in it's really a different kind of gameplay even. Yeah, I think that was, you know, what I could gather from the demo, that was the, the, the most attractive part. It was every, like the sections feel very distinct and with the purpose and with a very certain story to tell. And then it all, when you get into a dungeon, there's some puzzle elements too. And then again, there's like a massive boss fight. And so it feels like more, it feels more like a Zelda game to me in those aspects, like that sense of that. I don't want to say like dread, but it's, it's a thinking, the thinking man's game. Yeah. I, it's, I, I, it's not I, I, just running around and battling creatures. That's yeah, it's tough to explain because it's so so much. As in, yeah. Even when I I'm summing it up, as in, what is the core gameplay like? As in, yeah, it's this, this, this. this How much this, time do you this. have? Yeah. <laughs> as in, it, and that's the charm, I think. As in, mm. constantly being motivated to uh, discover something else, and then oh, I want to fight, and then you're going to uh, focus a little bit on, uh, yeah doing some battles to find a better Coromon or to raise your Coromon's level or your, um, as in the world is full of unique NPCs, which 
again come with a new mechanic as in you can uh, for example uh, transfer your quorum onto a new spinner and yeah as in you just encounter one single npc and that can trigger you as in oh i want my quorum in in all of the same spinner as in when you try them out just yeah some people like that uh, people like me but um yes and just finding that single character can even yeah bring you a couple of <laughs> hours of gameplay again as in just finding the the right spinners or uh yeah getting some money together to to do that and yeah with a game that has been developed for eight years there's a ton of that and yeah <laughs> i would hope so after eight years you're just gonna catch monsters and that's it that's the whole game it took us eight years to make this game <laughs> uh speaking about those monsters where because you know I, I always i marvel at games not only pokemon but you know digimon and other similar monster trapping hunting games where do where do these creatures come from in terms of their creation that starts up in here up in the old noggin of yours is it do you sit down and just sort of start to come up with something do you have like the element first in mind the is it going to be a lizard or bird how does the creation process of the monsters themselves look like for you yeah i think uh, there's a separation between the developer and artist there as mm -hmm. in we as a developer um, we know the, the areas we design as in we designed a, a for example a, a swamp mm. well you have a swamp then you need to decide which cormon can i feel that as a, because as a player you're entering a new uh, a certain environment and you want to feel like uh, that's a realistic scenario as in when you enter a swamp you want to yeah fight some gooey gooey monsters or you want to find some <laughs> frogs or you right. want to find some and together with the element as in uh, the swamp for example is a water-ish area but it also is close to uh, another area which is electric mm. and with all of that information um, yeah we just sit down have the type we have certain types of animals or certain um, things we wanted to be related to. Sometimes those are gods, uh, Greek gods. Sometimes those are uh, animals. Sometimes those are anything else. And then we sit together with our uh, monster designer. And also mm -hmm. this is multiple iterations as in we've had multiple monster designers and redesigned monsters. And this is not just a, a single time coming coming up with a design but yeah almost trial and error i think is in uh, let's try to design this yeah this feels great uh, as a great fit and sometimes it doesn't and we try to analyze what's wrong with it as in isn't it as in because a game like this the monsters shouldn't be monsters they should be i, I like to call them creatures because right. a creature sounds different to me than a monster. As a monster sounds like an enemy, mm -hmm. a creature sounds like something you want to have. Something in and nature that just walking around and yes, and you could see non-threatening it. Yeah, yeah. In the, sometimes it is, but then it, it should have that creature <laughs> factor, I think. And 
yeah, that's essentially how a monster is designed. It's uh, having the right people in your team that can visualize it. And for the developer side, it's mostly deciding on what fits in the environment you're making. And we're such assholes as trying to capture creatures and have them do our bidding. It's like the nerve of people. It's like well, well, in, in all these games, I always feel like you just leave them all alone just to live their lives in nature. Yeah, in, in a sense. <laughs> we try to we try to um, address that fact by having the spinners, as in the backstory about spinners, as in we try to communicate that fact that the Corman are in a very um, nice climate control there, as in it's exactly their temperature, it's exactly mm -hmm. what they like, and addressing <laughs> that fact makes me feel a little bit better. <laughs> I just I've always cracked up at you know the whole idea of monster taming as a genre because you know I can understand catching a pigeon-like bird or a tadpole or a squirrel. But then when you're capturing things that are essentially the devil or Satan and it's you're controlling it, but it can also eat you or tear, you know, tear your face off. It's, it's always amused me that 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 idea that you're and you're mainly playing as a child in these games. Yeah, as in, yeah, true. As in uh, even our, our user base is indeed as in while we even focus on a pretty serious story, I think. Mm -hmm. We, we do feel like that the, the, a big part of our user base is, yeah, teenager as in uh, yeah. a child. So, yeah, that's actually a good segue. I, I kind of want to, because you mentioned, you know, story elements and the, how, the, how the sections are sort of, you know, all contained plot lines. And, but what is, what is the main quest look like? What is, what is our character's motivation? What is the overarching story? What is the Basically, conflict in Coromania? In that, without giving away too yeah, much. Yeah, sure. Um, basically, it's starting as a... You can fill that in yourself age. Mm. Uh, we try to don't uh, put the player in a certain age criteria. So everyone can enjoy it in their own experience. But essentially, you start a job um, at a yeah, as in a, a high tech company. That company um, appreciates your motivation and mm -hmm. puts you on a new project. As in, you're an intern doing a new project, and that project gets bigger pretty quickly. As in, you find out, um, yeah. Spoiler alert, but as in, if you don't want to uh, know anything about the story, uh, definitely mute it for a little bit. But um, essentially, what happens is aliens come into play. Oh my uh, God. This, yeah. <laughs> now it's off the rails. <laughs> yeah, it starts out pretty, pretty casual, but uh, at some point, there are three people, um, and we don't even call them aliens, but they do call you aliens uh, oh. in their own language. Uh, but oh, wow. those people have their own motivation um, why they're here. And you don't know anything about that. As in they just did one action. 
and you have to figure out as in you don't have to but you will figure out throughout the whole story what they're actually doing and as in we try to not make it a pure evil um right there's like a, gr as in, a gray it's really, area it, yeah it's a gray area and i think judging those people on their actions throughout the story and finding out what they're actually doing is is a fun thing too as in that is yeah to me it looks like a fun thing to do man if i wasn't uh, if i wasn't sold before on this game <laughs> you mentioning aliens to me is just like i i, I need this game right now in my life yeah, it's even, it, it is a late decision as in that grew into uh, <laughs> our story as in we didn't come up with aliens um from the yeah. start as in so it's good. just as in we were playing the game ourselves and thinking what would spice up the story and would fit perfectly within this environment and yeah so we we were making a background and this also entails um the another element in our game which are titans so there's actually yeah multiple things going on mm, there but yeah essentially as an um as the main character you started investigating titans but because of those aliens it seems all more important and it, mm. yeah and it actually turns around pretty quickly at uh 50 60 of the game and it's all ties together then the aliens the mm. titans why they're oh there and finding that out is a is a whole journey and man yeah i'm getting like some godzilla vibes right now <laughs> a little bit you know and godzilla always found a way to involve aliens in their storylines and they were always insane but they were always enjoyable to watch so <laughs> i think listen i really think that should be your main talk to your you know publisher and marketing team just have the aliens part be front and center you're gonna sell like a billion copies <laughs> it, it, <laughs> as in, it is an interesting twist on the motion <laughs> genre i agree with that as in, uh... i can imagine you guys like one day at the office just working away designing some creature and then someone has on the television watching a little bit of ancient aliens and you're just like wait a minute what if we put aliens in our game <laughs> it was a funny like, story, actually. sounds like a good idea it's uh our lawyer as in we had a lawyer just for contracts and such right, right. and but he's a pretty young lawyer and he liked to play games so he was also even yeah when we hired him he was a fan of my of our game and was diving into it and was giving some feedback as in i would as in the team feels evil don't you have something else and then i was joking what about aliens and then it got a whole soft process going and then everyone's and... ears like perked up like what did you say aliens <laughs> this man's a genius yeah and when i started thinking about that and then i thought why didn't i think of this before this is a perfect <laughs> fit it, it explains perfectly why these are here and it all came together and it, it again added a lot of uh development time to it as in at a late stage, as in even when the demo came out, aliens weren't a thing. As in, wow, so it is very recent then. Holy shit, this is like, yeah, uh, but but <laughs> yeah, it did, but it did so wild. It is exactly what I wanted, as in, as in, I want to do these kind of things, as in, I want to be able, as in, if I think 
okay, this is way better. And of course, there are limits, as in it's, right. it's not a, a limited trial of uh, doing edits. But yeah, as in when I started thinking about it, it solved so many issues I had myself uh, at that point with the story, as in I could, yeah, see it um, going there. Yeah, it, it just wasn't wow. perfect fit. See, I would love to be that guy on a on a game development team. I can't. I can't draw. I can't code. I can write a little bit. I can give you a good synopsis or a good plot point or a good overview, but writing the whole thing, maybe not so much. I could be the guy in the background with like a bag of Cheetos on the couch being like, <laughs> what if we did this? I want that job. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a great addition to the team. I, I would <laughs> love to be that guy on the team. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone should have one. <laughs> Because you never know. Because you're so focused on a specific vision of what the game. Because I'm sure you've thought about this game for a long time. It didn't just pop up night in your head, like, "Oh, this is it." You've had many years to, even before making it, to think about it. You know, while you're at your day job, or while you're having lunch, or while you're in the shower, it's always in the back of your mind, sort of fermenting the idea. And then when you come time to actually make it, it's like, okay, here's my idea. Now I'm making it. And then other ideas can sort of permeate and infect. And it's like, it kind of grows from there. So yes, I would love to be that guy to make games be huge in scope and take 10 years to develop because <laughs> my ideas are so crazy. Um, yeah, yeah, go on. So I did actually, I want to ask you as a sort of to branch out from that point, what, what got you into making games? Was it, were you just from your youth always playing video games and you thought I want to make one of these one day when I'm older and have the skills? Was it just, you saw that it was a very thriving and growing industry and you want to be a part of it. What got you into this as a career path? somehow a bit of the both things you mentioned mm. um i did game a lot as in in my youth i was a pretty as in i played call of duty um mm. like 10 12 hours a day i did it professionally wait that's your youth how old are you i'm 30 okay you're, yeah you're, you're a baby call of my youth. yeah <laughs> <laughs> as, as in i mean in my younger years as in i I gamed a lot, mm -hmm. but that was not the reason that I started creating games. Mm. It's it's somehow um, between there because I somehow st stopped gaming completely when I started developing games. Mm -hmm. And somehow it just got my interest, both because the gaming industry was thriving, but also because I'm a software engineer and I can do it. Mm, there it is. And okay. I slowly went into initially with a yes, and because I wanted to create something big as in a success. Mm -hmm. But after a while, that slowly turned into I want to create something of my own. And that other motivation just went away. And I thought in the end it will will be all right. <laughs> and uh, I just Keep working hard, and I'll see what I get out of it. And uh, that's a bit of the process how it all started. 
Yeah, I mean, um, eight years is a lot of time to throw into a project that, you know, it sounds like it wasn't like a lifelong childhood dream. It was just you were a fan of games and you had the knowledge on how to make them on the on a technical standpoint. Like I can code this. I know how to write all the word magic that makes a game come to life. And now I want to do this as a full-time job. And to see the end result, I mean, when you look at this game for the first time, it's just, it really grabs you with how well the, the, the assets are and the sprites. And there's a lot of love and detail put into this project. And it, it really comes through. Like, I would never have guessed that this came a little bit later in your like adult life. Cause you know, most, most devs I speak to it's, they were just as babies. They wanted to have this game made and you're not, you're not in that column when it comes to game development, but still the passion yeah. still looks like it's there. Yeah. Like the, the passion there. is still there as in yeah. the passion is, is definitely there, but it didn't start like that. I think as in yeah. it started with me being interested in coding because I even get um, excited about any coding, as in I just like coding, <laughs> I think in coding, and that's how it all started. But throughout the whole making a game process, I just enjoyed yeah, coming up with the exact thing I would like in a game. And I'm very uh, strict on that, as in everything should be fun, and I don't uh, settle with things that are less than fun as in it just means i i have to work harder think harder come up with bi- uh, better things mm. and i didn't even know i had that in me while i started making games as oh in, wow I started out as a, a coder but yeah this, this whole this whole journey was a very creative as in making the story making all of the worlds come alive and yeah imagining why things are fun as in the whole why is the game fun as in the game design all that kinds of stuff i learned on the job as in, uh, yeah you learn while doing yeah yeah that's you know it's i feel that it's a big part of it because you can only play so many games and have an understanding of how a genre or how a mechanic should work but when you're actually sitting down to bring it to life in your own way, in your own special, unique way, that is the real challenge. Because there's no bl- exact blueprint for how these things should work. I mean, there's some foundation of it, but when it's just you and you're coding it, it just sounds yeah, it's, to me. I can't even design it from scratch, I think, as in I just need to start working on it, see how it, how it feels and change it along the way. It, it just needs time, it just needs passion, it just needs a vision that um, yeah, is, a, is a, a critical look what is really fun, I think. What's been the most challenging aspect over these last eight years in getting this project now so close to the I end? Think, um, it's a long time to look back on, by the way. So think <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> now that, as in, because I'm a, a coder by nature, that wasn't the hardest aspect. That's just a fun aspect to me. It's, um, 
it isn't like it is too difficult to make a game. It's coding is coding and it's not like huge issues you're solving there. But I think the, the creative part is the, the hardest. As mm -hmm. in things like um, finding out why a certain town feels fun. As in you can have a dozen millions of kind of playthroughs to a town. Mm -hmm. But um, finding out why things are fun, and I think uh, the the toughest part, sub part within that, is making people's uh, making people um, recognize the thing that you focused on. Because you can write a whole story, for example, and if that isn't snappy enough, if that isn't talking exactly about the right subjects, people won't get it, and people mm. won't enjoy that film and i think right trying to get that message across as in uh, making people think in a certain way as in really um yeah i'm not sure if there is a phrase for it but letting them think different things and then finally um it's ended up being something else mm. that whole designing that whole journey that was definitely the hardest part and but also a very fun part of development. Before we um, segue into our very fun, very silly rapid fire portion of the interview sure. around the corner, I want to ask you one last thing. What do you on Coromon specifically, what do you want the main takeaway to be for players when they sit down and play this game and the credits roll? What do you want us to feel or take away from the world of Koromon? Good question. <laughs> <laughs> I love the little pause, like, oh shit, this is gonna get this is some real shit right now. <laughs> I really think as in we, we've been working a lot on the ending lately, as in the ending of the game and something like that. Uh it, it's very important. It shouldn't feel like as in I've watched enough tv series in my life that ended in a certain way that just felt bad and i think in a game the ending uh as, as in you could have a bad, game, a bad ending in this game yeah it's gonna make you feel really really sad and lose all hope and faith in humanity <laughs> something like that yeah but i think that as in, throughout the whole journey you are not getting too much information and at the end, you finally fill in some blanks, as in, and that's the tough part again. Getting making people think about the things they see, and yeah, giving them the final puzzle pieces at the end, but also making that whole um, scenery uh, make sense with the uh, with the composing, with the music there. Um, yeah, some surprise there but also a technical uh, aspect of it, as in it should also feel challenging, it should feel, mm. and it's really, the ending really resulted in that, I think, as in, okay. that's the takeaway, as in it's, it's hard, as in yeah. it should be a little bit emotional, a bit yes. proud, a bit. I, I like that um, answer. It's yeah. In, yeah. I like it. I feel it's, it's especially tough to convey emotion in a game that looks like this because i grew up playing a lot of pixel art i grew up in the, in the nes era 
way before Call of Duty came out, <laughs> by the way. And, you know, I was always surprised, you know, when I play games now that are very story driven, but have a lot of deep and professional and well done voice acting. And there's facial movement that can convey emotion on a very deep level. And you, you feel something while you're playing. But then I think back to when I was younger and games that still looked this simple and basic, if it was written well enough, if it made you care about character enough, you could get an emotional response out of a little pixel guy flashing <laughs> and disappearing. And then that was like them dying, away. basically. Right. Yeah. And you, you felt something because you made me care. So if you're going to make me care and have an emotional response when I walk away from this game, I'm here for it. I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. You'll dig it. I dig it. All right. It is time for some rapid fire. Um, this is where we learn a little bit more about you, things that we don't want to know, but we're going to ask anyway, because that's a rapid fire is all about. So this is, I think, oh boy. I had some funky ones I want to ask, but let's let's start with some basics. <clears throat> if a couple of members of your, let's say someone on your team gets a phone call in the middle of the night uh, from the local authorities saying that you have just been arrested for committing a crime, what crime have you committed? think hacking <laughs> really oh boy <laughs> what are you hacking what, 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 what's your first target <laughs> um not really the 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 hacking <laughs> into computers but more into yeah so you, you may know as in i sometimes win prizes in some small oh, games like that and got it. yeah that, that kind of stuff and yeah that's a nice uh <laughs> mm. So you're at the, I really at the, think that's the first thing people will think about me. As in, you will know it is hacking. You're at the casino and you hack some of the slot machines and you kept winning the, the jackpot. Well, I won't start on that, but I'll <laughs> take the smaller targets. <laughs> well, speaking about winning the jackpot, let's say you had a choice between having $1 million in cash or an exact clone of yourself. Which would you pick? I think the one million dollars. Okay. And I think that's a that's a, that's a more long term thing that is fun. And <laughs> okay. I don't think it's as in a clone of yourself is fun, mm -hmm. but yeah, as in after a certain time, it's it gets usable. I think. Mm. What is your most useless talent? Um. I don't even know. I can't really think of anything at the moment. Do I have that? I mean, I have I have useful talent, so I don't, <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have time for useless talents. <laughs> um, no, sorry, I, can't, I really can't. Listen, think of listen, listen. I think that just speaks more to you. You're just you're just a, a talented man. All your talents have a use and a function. 
and none are pointless. So that's that's a good that's an answer. <laughs> let's, let's go with this. <laughs> what is your kryptonite? What is your weakness? What is something that you just give into and you have to give into it? Um be it a food, a beverage, you know, a TV show, an activity, what's something you're just like, uh, I'm just, I can't, I have to do it. It's a, it's just a feeling inside you get and you can't avoid it. No matter how much willpower you sounds you very have. weird, but for me, that's work as in, I want to keep creating things and I don't have, don't have the small things as in, I must have some, I'm a very rational, rational guy. As in, I watch things from a distance and yeah, food is great, but I also want to, yeah. All right, this, this isn't a job interview. This is like the I most, it's like the most like. <laughs> no, but it really goes that way in my mind. As in, I like to create things and show that to people, but other than that, I, I don't have any. It's like. Uh... <laughs> What are your five main weaknesses? Well, oh boy, I work really hard. I work too hard. I always show up <laughs> early and I stay too late and I ignore my family to get the job done. That's, I think those are my main weaknesses. Can you now hire me for this job? <laughs> um, let's see. Well, first off, do you, do you drink? Are you someone that drinks alcohol in any way, socially, recklessly, addictively? Do you do you just drink offhand? Uh, yes or no question? Yes. Okay, cool. Cool. I think I should always ask that first, going into the actual question. So you are out celebrating the release of Koroman out March 31st, by the way, listeners. Mm -hmm. uh, and you've had too much to drink with your colleagues. What word best describes you when you've had a little bit too much to drink? Annoying, I think. Oh. <laughs> as in, because I want to do things at that time, I think, as in, let's go here, let's go here, and I don't, um, I, I don't have an angry drunk. It, it's just annoying at a certain point, I'm not, mm. uh, very active anymore <laughs> <laughs> fair enough um do you always clean up right after you cook or do you just let it sit there for a bit maybe you'll get to it in the morning uh, the, the letter mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i can go either way on that i feel like <laughs> i feel like if i'm cooking an intense dish i can clean while it's cooking in the oven but um, other times I'm like, I'm just going to call a service to come clean this for me. Yeah, week, I can have uh, both ways. Uh, uh, sometimes <laughs> I just do it immediately and yeah. A week from now. Well, speaking about doing the dishes, what household chore do you least enjoy doing? What's the one that it's like, ah. The laundry. The laundry. Hmm. I, I don't mind cleaning because it really gets you somewhere, but mm -hmm. somehow the laundry only gets you to a reset or something. As in, it mm -hmm. doesn't feel satisfying to me. As in, you need to do it every time again, and you can't avoid making things. As a yeah, as in having laundry, 
and you can avoid having to clean up a lot of times. Right. And unless you have like a bunch of dirty clothes all over your house, you can't really get a sense that you've done something when you have clean laundry, like cleaning your house. You can tell there's a clear before and after like, oh, look how yeah. nice everything looks now. I, I, I've accomplished something. But when you put your laundry in the drawers and in the closet, it's like, what have I done for the last hour and a half? Yeah, that's what I mean. With <laughs> Nothing to show it for just, it. <laughs> it just goes back to the original state and doesn't give any feeling of appreciation to yourself as in. Oh, finally, the, this is yeah. why I use like a drop off service. I'm like, here's my bag <laughs> of shit. This is your problem now. I'm going to go back and play my video games instead of doing the laundry. Um, if you could use a time machine, it could only go either forwards in time or backwards in time. Which way would you go? Backwards. Oh. <laughs> There's enough uh, things to do in the in the past that mm. can use and the only thing my mind goes to is financial as in <laughs> it's very easy as in being financially independent mm. is something i want to be because that allows you to do things without any other external factor mm -hmm. saying what you have to do you can just do what you enjoy yeah, that's the dream. That's the dream. What is something that you are terrible at, but you wish you could do a whole lot better? I think dancing, because I like mm. party. <laughs> yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah. I said, I like to go, I said, uh, take, a, take a sip and go yeah. onto the dance floor but yeah as in i would love to have been able to really uh -huh. <laughs> being able to dance <laughs> it's a little bit less uh... yeah i feel the exact same way that's like i've never <laughs> i've never resonated more with an answer i feel every time there's a party or where i like some like bar or like club in my clubbing days are a little bit behind me at this point but it's been a couple of uh, it's been a while but when I see my friends actually dancing well and I try to jump in and, and get in on the action, I always get like, what are these moves you're doing? And I'm like, I'm just going to go back and get drunk and like vomit in the corner. Right? Well, I like to go crazy. <laughs> I said, I do like to go to the dance floor, but yeah, just being able to dance better is a... <laughs> I think if someone is dancing worse than you dance, that gives you some leeway. Maybe like, yeah, okay, that's something about my friends then. <laughs> <laughs> if you, what would you rather have an actual get out of jail free card? So you could commit any crime you want and you'll get away with it. Or mm -hmm. would you rather have a key that unlocks any door, but not your jail cell? The key? Uh, as in, I have no intention of doing anything illegal. It's a, so yeah, it's I have a no skeleton key. Of, of doing anything like that. As in, and the key comes with a lot of convenience, it sounds like. So uh, definitely yeah. that one. All right. Let's see here. Um, what else we got? What is the dumbest way you've ever injured yourself? Well, I'm not sure if you can call it dumb. Because I was a very small child, as in that's what very small childs do. Yes, it's but true. I think <laughs> I said to my mom, hey, look, 
I can walk off the stairs with no hands, and then I broke <laughs> two. <laughs> uh, not even how to say, <laughs> say it in English, but I broke two bones. <laughs> and then I fell off the stairs and. Wh- <laughs> which <laughs> bone? <laughs> <laughs> which bones did you break? Was it like something yeah. in your arms or legs or wrists or hands or? Got a English word for it. As in, uh, let me. Uh, oh my god! It was both my clavicles. Oh, you're okay. 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 All right. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, yes. Yeah, I was a very accident-prone child too. Never any broken bones, but a lot of scabs, scars, bumps, bruises, like falling. I would always fall down. I remember one time in the fifth grade but my teacher thought that i was beaten because i had like a lot of scars <laughs> i was like oh no i just fell down i was walking up a narrow path in the driveway and i fell and then i then i fell down the series of like concrete steps it was like this really bad tumble and i was cut up like on my hands on my knees and they were just like what's wrong what's happening at home like everything's fine i just fell but that's just a that's like the most like domestic abuse answer you can give i fell down some stairs because <laughs> yeah. i'm stupid all right <laughs> if you could pick any one of your koromon to cameo in the next pokemon game who would it be? Who's your favorite of the bunch? I'll, I'll have a quick look through my, all of our designs just to have a look if anything is <laughs> Just to make sure you don't forget the good yeah. one. <laughs> I'll have a full list. So, uh... <laughs> I think. You know, while you're trying to find that, do you know offhand how many are in the game you can? catch and evolve and like numbers wise like how big is your quote-unquote pokedex at the moment it's 112 but it's evolving as and we're only putting the 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 designs in that are actually up to our standards as in we do have more designs Mm. but we won't uh uh, yeah put this in the games yet as in we still have plans to update and when they are finished and they do have a nice skill set, they are balanced, right. then they'll, they'll find a way in the game. But I think lately I've been um, not even sure what the name is. <laughs> As in, I just know the code names. <laughs> That's so bad. As in, uh... As in it's, it's a big ice creature. He's in a, in a big chunk of ice. What's the, really... co- what's the code name? Ice Creature 3. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Come on, all you Pokemon fans. There's a new hot monster yeah, catching but it's, game it's, 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 starring it's not really... Ice Creature 3. <laughs> <laughs> but it's the, it's the only one not based on any certain uh, <laughs> animal or something. But, yeah. yeah. You guys need to work on your code names. That sounds like... It's not like the ice toucan or something. It's this right, one is just right. a creature, and it's it's in a big chunk of ice, and he's flying around there. It's cry beast. 
Just looked it up. Got it. There it is. We got it. We got it. All right. And uh, what could be a good final question? Ah, okay. So you've been obviously a fan of games for a long time. You're making games now. You're working with your own. This is your dream, your vision. The game does really well to success. It's going to be, just so you know, spoilers. Uh, I can see the future. I've been there. This game is going to be a huge success uh, by looking at it. But let's say you are approached by a well-known gaming publisher, be it a Nintendo, a Sega, a, a Microsoft, a PlayStation, Square Enix, one of the big, big AAA publishers. And they say to you, we really liked what you did with Coromon, and we would like you to create a sequel for one of our established, well-known, iconic IPs. Which IP would you like to work on? Any choice, any IP. Zelda, I think. Yeah. Zelda. Yeah. Those are really, as in, they, they, through all of the years, I know Zelda, they, they kept um, getting the charm into the, their games and they never settled with, um, yeah, as in making it less um, fun. As in, they always mm -hmm. want their games to be fun. And yeah, that would be the game, I think. Isn't that's the first thing to, that comes to mind? And would you stick to that sort of top-down 2D retro Zelda look when making your game? No, especially since they already moved ahead. Mm -hmm. uh, no, uh, I think um, <laughs> it's hard to get people, uh, yeah, in a, within an IP to get them back to the old designs. <laughs> but ideally. Um, well, if I had the people that can really create such a world in 3D mm -hmm. and all of the budgets, I might move to 3D. But right. I like the, the agileness, the being versatile of 2D, mm -hmm. that you can really do things uh, without having to think about the consequences about, oh, this requires this much art, and you right. can just do it. And yeah. That, that would be the reason yeah, why I you, would stick with it. Yeah, you know, I think I think that those two things can coexist. Like we're seeing, like we have, we just got like a brand new Metroid. It's a 2D side scroller, but it has the 3D modeling, of course. But then we're also getting the full blown Metroid Prime 4 at some point. I think Zelda could have like its Breath of the Wild full blown 3D open world game. And then a nice little retro throwback release. Yeah. You know, as in, to, be, to be honest, as in now you're talking about it, just yeah. sounds like as if I would enjoy a, yeah. uh, <laughs> a new 2D Zelda. As in, give me that. As in, yeah, that would also, but it's, it's hard for an existing fan base, I think. As in, yeah. But yeah, ideally, I would go back to 2D, I think. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, there's, we can have the most high-tech, high-end, most ray-traced 60 FPS graphics in the world that look almost like a real human being. But I think pixel art has a timeless quality to it. And I'm not sure if it was just 
if it was how I was raised or the games I played growing up, but I will always be drawn to that aesthetic. And I think indie devs like you are doing it a great service by keeping it alive and not just cashing in on the nostalgia effect, but you're really trying to elevate the art form and the gameplay and all of it and bringing new and fun ideas to genres we love like Pokemon. Definitely, yeah. That is my review for Koromon. (laughs) (laughs) All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. It was an absolute blast. Um, Again, Koromon is out on March 31st. Not too long from now. Uh, I'm very excited. So, um, yeah, give us the whole spiel, social media. Where can our listeners find more about you, Koromon? Give us, give us the whole thing right now. I'd say start at koromon.com and then find a link to all social media we have over there. If it's Insta, Twitter, Reddit, uh, anything. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the starting point. All right. And we'll have all those links for your listeners in the description below. So please check out Koromon when it comes out. Support this team. Support indies. They are, they are in a lot of ways the last bastion of uh, creativity in the industry yeah, i feel I, like all yeah. i say is uh, don't forget the wish list that really helps yes us yes get out there so, get uh, that visibility out there so dude thank you so much for coming on the show i was so excited to talk to you today and getting a more deep look into the game and how your mind works when designing a game like this has been a lot of fun and i wish you all the success and it's going to be a huge game i feel when it comes out uh, yeah, it was fun being here this month thanks for having me all right, man. Well, that's going to do it for this week's show, listeners. Um, again, that's Koromon out on March 31st. Please play it. Please get it. Please support it. And as always, please be excellent to each other.